Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to today's episode of the Born to Talk Radio Show podcast with my guest, Tim Dura. Welcome to the show, Tim. Can you hear me? Oh, goodness. This is never good. I'm hoping that Tim can hear me because um, it looks like his call dropped. Hello, Tim. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, perfect. I don't know what happened. Your call dropped, and I welcomed you to the show, and it's like, oh, my goodness, where's Tim? <laughs> oh, my God. The you know, is- wonders <laughs> of modern technology, you know? That's you just know, how things work sometimes. You're absolutely right, but because I'm not a rookie, I'm not a newbie, this is not my first rodeo, I'm like, uh-oh, why don't I hear Tim? So I just want to <laughs> say thanks, Thanks, Tim, because you know it's live, and you know that's just how it works in live in live broadcasting. So once again, thank you, and and I'm so glad that you're here with us today. And I just wanted to say, just briefly for those of you listening, because this is significant, Tim served in the U.S. Air Force for 22 years, and was a command fighter pilot. And I just want to say thank you, sir, for your service. Uh, people say that like it's so casual, but I mean it. I don't mean, oh, you know, it's just like, hey, how are you today? I mean it. Thank you for your service. And today um, you are the Chief Operating Officer for the Polk Institute, and I have had Gary Polk on my show once before, and we're going to be talking about what you do there and everything in between, which is pretty cool. So I thought we could start off here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background? Well, uh, I'm born and raised in Fargo, North Dakota. I graduated from North Dakota State University, 1974. And the day I graduated, I was commissioned in the Air Force as a second lieutenant. Uh, I went on active duty and uh, spent uh, six weeks at Keesley Air Force Base before I went to my pilot training phase where I graduated from pilot training. And then I got into the uh, fighter pilot pipeline and uh, basically, that's where the journey begins. You know, I had, uh, let's see, what was it, 13 PCS moves in nine years. PCS means permanent change of station. So as wow. a fighter pilot, you moved around a lot. So mm-hmm. I spent uh, three years roaming around uh, the Southeast Asia area uh, in uh, Japan, Okinawa, the Philippines. Got to spend some time in Australia. Um, Ooh. and went to other places that we can't really talk about. And then mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> stateside, I was all over south of the Mason-Dixon line, and I ended up my career retiring in 1965 from Fargo, North Dakota. I was uh, 
transferred to the North Dakota Air National Guard, 119th Fighter Group, and as an active duty person and basically spent the rest of my Air Force career flying for the North Dakota Air National Guard as an alert pilot, which is kind oh. of like being a fireman. You know, you live by your airplane. The horn goes off. You have five minutes to get dressed, get in your jet, start it up, and take off and be airborne. you got five minutes, and that's not a whole lot of time. No, it so, sure isn't. Uh, wow. that was, yeah, that was interesting. Wow. I remember one night <clears throat> the alert horn went off, and I don't know what happened. I mean, I was totally blank that when I finally gained consciousness, <laughs> I was climbing out at 350 knots in full afterburner, uh, and that was the first. That's the first thing I remember. I don't remember getting into the jet, starting it. I don't remember any of that. Just, I don't know. Just you do things out of reflex action. I get, but that was my first cog- conscious thought. You know, was that's when I realized I was uh, actually airborne. So it was that's pretty weird. So interesting. There's a lot of things like that. Yeah. I bet. You know, so, Tim. What's so? What, I'm, I want to just interrupt this because I'm curious about this. So you started in the U.S. Air Force, but you retired yes, out of the National Guard. My father was in the National yes, Guard. So oh, the good. National Guard. Yeah. So isn't the National? Okay, just educate me. Isn't the National Guard no. the Army? So you went from the Air Force to the Army. No. Oh, I'm no, wrong. It's uh, there is there is the Army. Uh, there's the Army. National Guard. There is the Air Force National Guard. Oh, there are two. Well, I didn't know that. Well, on this Veterans Day time, how interesting to learn something. If I didn't know that, maybe somebody else didn't know that as well. And I'm sure you've got tons of stories. I'm sure you've got tons <laughs> of stories to tell. You know, oh, you yeah. just told one that was like, what? How did that happen? So I'm just curious. So this was 1969. You're retired. So what did you do after you left the the, the service? What what came next? Okay. Well, I retired in 1995. Uh, oh. At that time, I also uh, <clears throat> had what was the uh, owner of Accents Accommodator Services, which was a catering business. Uh, I catered anything from seven-course candlelight dinners for two to weddings and banquets and barbecues for thousands. It didn't matter. did everything in the middle. Uh, my emphasis was on the personal touch. I was a menu planner and designer. Uh, we did a lot of boutique things with, like, ice sculptings and food carvings and things like that along with you know, the selections of food, which are usually pretty unique and tailored to whatever theme that they had. Uh, I sold that uh, and started Capital Air, which is a uh, was regional airline service out of St. Paul downtown Holman Airfield and was in that for a couple of years and ended up uh, selling out of that because I needed to go uh, move on and do something else. It was really a, there was also with the catering business, I ran a dinner theater and I would cater to the dinner theater and we had our own facility. I had a theater group that was the, they were the kind of like a little vaudevillian group and they did all the bookings for 
we had a signature talent that would come in and they would come in once a month. And that's what we did. And that was a lot of fun. So I've done a lot of different things. Uh, I was a defense contractor for a while, uh, running around in a 34-foot Winnebago hmm. across the southwest United States teaching fighter pilots how not to kill themselves because there was a big uh, problem with single-seat fighters, which I had flown. Uh, basically, the, the pilots would get what was called task saturation. There were just too many things they were doing, and they were doing trying to do them at 100 feet off the ground. And all of a sudden, they'd hit something or just run into the ground because they forgot to fly the airplane. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, we built a, I was the fighter person of a uh, – we had six different courses that were taught. And myself and we had, let's see, five other guys that added on to the team. Uh, we ran around southeast and southwest United States hitting all the different fighter bases, teaching them you know, basically how to be safe. It was called cockpit resource management, and that's what uh, we did. I did that for about a year, but when you're running around in a Winnebago for 28 days a month, it gets a little tiring, so I, I let that one go. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I've done a lot of different things. I was a general manager for a petroleum company for a little while because they were supposed to have gotten an airplane, and I was supposed to be their corporate pilot, but a year later there was no airplane, and I didn't like being a <laughs> gas station attendant basically what it turned into so that's when I came out to California and became a school teacher which I did for 20 years that's I taught no school in high school yeah and what, what was your subject that you taught in high school well I was kind of like the electives department for Hawthorne Math and Science Academy I taught uh, health which turned into life skills I taught um driver's education, which very few schools teach anymore. Mm-hmm. I also taught uh, economics, American huh? government, and entrepreneurship, which is how I got into where I am today. That was kind of the feeder into my current job. Isn't that, isn't that great how you just, I mean, there's a book there. I just got to tell you, I've had so many authors. I have had so many authors this year. I would say primarily all of my guests have been authors. I am connected to people that write and publishers and blah, blah, blah. You have a story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really do have a story to tell. And just the way you speak and how you segue it, 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 well, it describes – I grew up with a military-type father. He, that wasn't his only career. He was in the Guard, so that uh-huh. was like you know part-time. My husband was an sure. engineer. So I understand the, how the mind of that kind of person works in a logical you know, form. And so I, I hear that in you, and, and I hear – but I also hear that you're just a great storyteller, and that's where I come in because that's what – that's what I like. What you know? What is your story, and what are you all about, Alfie? And so you know, this is what makes <laughs> me. Well, you get that because you're a little bit older, and maybe our it. young people. Yes. Yeah, maybe a few yeah. young people don't know what, what what's it all about, Alfie. But I'm not going to start That's singing true. because then everybody would turn it <laughs> off. Then, oh my God! <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's it's right there at the tip of my lips. Like, what's it all about? Okay, never mind. All right, I did it anyway. So so you transitioned from civilian life 
I mean, you transition <laughs> to civilian life from from all of this experience, and you ended up where you are today, which I think is really interesting, which is the Polk Institute. And I know there's a lot to say about this because I know how important this is to you, and I really want to give you ample time to really let people understand what the Polk Institute is all about. And for those of you listening, as you know, if you do, if you listen, I, I, I write a blog when this show is over, and I hyperlink all of the different websites and links and, and ways to learn more, but just so that you know how to spell Polk, because you might not know. So Polk is spelled P-O-L-K, and if you type Polk Institute, it will actually take you straight to their um, .org, um, which is Polk, and that's dash I-S-E dot org. But I'll make sure that you're able to, to see that afterwards because it, it's a terrific website. And we're going to spend some time now in this, in this part of our show together talking about what it is the Polk does, what it is that you've done, and what's the vision? So let's let's start there. You're the what, you're the chief operating officer. For those people that don't know the structure in an organization, what is your responsibility um, actually as the COO? What is what does that uh, uh, require of you? Well, the, <clears throat> the chief operating officer is basically in charge of day to day operations. So whatever's happening. On a day-to-day basis at the Polk Institute, I'm responsible for. So what does that mean? Well, I work with the chief financial officer to make sure that uh, he's got everything squared away on his end in regards to uh, where we're at financially, what's in our accounts, uh, what monies do we have coming in, are we getting donors coming in, those kinds of things. Uh, then I also work very closely with the chief marketing officer, and uh, she's responsible for supervising basically fundraising, marketing, and branding. So she's right now she probably has the biggest part of our all volunteer staff that we have. Everybody that works at the Polk Institute is basically donating their time or volunteering their time to uh, make sure that we can do the mission that we have set out to do. Uh, we are currently, <clears throat> as part of my direct chain, uh, I have uh, curriculum underneath me. I, uh, The director of curriculum is uh, responsible for writing the, the curriculum for the Polk Institute. Uh, we are a training organization, and we teach workshops, basically. We have eight workshops and two more elective workshops, plus then what we call the capstone workshop. So we run 11 different workshops in the course of a year, and that is our phase one. And so uh, we also, I also am responsible for the facilitators. These are the, what you would call teachers or instructors. And they are all people that, come to us from the business world and are volunteering their time to teach the workshops. The workshops are two hours long. They occur once a week. We have some additional time that we require from our candidates, and they uh, 
uh, have some things that they do on their own. Pairs them then and attend the uh, two-hour workshop. And then that turns into a what can we do for you and your business question seminar back and forth because uh, everybody that's in a cohort either has an existing business or they're starting a business. So we try to keep it business related. That's what we do. And so we have like course titles. You know, our first class is entrepreneurship for everyone. That is basically Gary Polk, who is our CEO, standing up and teaching this class about what's it like to be an entrepreneur? What what what's required of you? What kind of phys- what kind of characteristics and qualities make a good CEO? And he gives some backgrounds along those lines because the whole idea of the Polk Institute is to put out fundable, heavy emphasis word on fundable CEOs, which means we're looking for people that we believe can cut it uh, and go in front of some investors and pitch and be successful becoming, uh, you know, getting funding from these people. So that's our whole emphasis. So we start with teaching the basics, and then we teach them about social entrepreneurship, which is what we specialize in. We have the three P's of planet, profit, and people, and we emphasize those. And so we teach them about B corporations, which are basically social entrepreneurs that want to get in that tax bracket with a B Corp. So we teach them all about that. And we have a lady that comes in and teaches that class who's a specialist in B Corps. And we have all, we, we teach, uh, fine, we have two different finance classes, a personal finance class and then a corporate finance class for these, for our cohorts. We have a lean operations class. We have uh, an HR class. We have a marketing class. Electives included like, Business Plan 101, which is what what I just finished teaching, which is teaching, uh, I taught how to outline a business plan and how to build your first pitch deck. And then those skills will be refined in December during the capstone uh, workshop. But we also offered uh, legal. uh, We had two different lawyers come in and teach two weeks of of a month-long workshop on different aspects of like intellectual property and uh, basically how to protect yourself uh, was, was basically the other one. You know, what you need to do in order to uh, make sure that you protect yourself as much as possible because of the environment that businesses live in these days. So and then next month we have a, another marketing lady coming in and talking about what it's like to be a chief marketing officer and to tell these people about that. And, you know, we have uh, access to capital to, we have two classes being offered in that one basically is teaching about uh, how to get in front of investors. And the other one teaches about how to look for money from a bank. So, I mean, we teach these people a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Then once they've done that, you know, they they go through phase one and they're selected for what we call phase two. At that time, they are paired with a mentor. And the mentor sticks with them through 
uh, phase two. Phase two is to basically polish the business plan, polish the, the pitch deck, and start getting ready to get in front of investors, and the mentors will help them. And we have what are also called subject matter experts, which are available for questions that these cohort members may have about getting themselves ready to go to get in front of, you know, investors. I and see. We all, go ahead. Well, I, you know, we have, I'm going to let you finish. Your, well, let me just let me interrupt right here just quickly. I'm so sorry. But sure. I think it's always interesting, and, and I find this to be the case in whomever I'm speaking to, regardless of the subject. In your world, the word cohort is obvious to you because you know what a cohort <laughs> is. Yeah. But, but I'm yeah. right about that. And um, somebody that's listening might say, what the heck's a cohort? You know, so I, I, I want to hear about these programs and I want to hear about your cohorts. But I, I would actually like you to, for those of us that don't know what a cohort is, could you define that for me? A cohort's a class. Okay. It's just that simple? Uh, it's just that simple. It's a group of people. You know, the, the original cohort is basically comes from ancient Rome. And it's a military term which defined the size of a unit in the in a Roman legion. And there was, you know, 24 to 40 soldiers in a cohort. That's where the original term comes from. Right now, as as it has gone through the centuries, it, it has developed into basically equating to a group of people with a common goal. And since, uh, see, we are a 501c3 for training. We are not a 501c3 nonprofit, which is what a 501c3 is. It's a nonprofit foundation. We are not an educational one. So we cannot use terms like class, teacher, instructor, student, those kinds of things which have that annotation. So cohort for us is a class. Uh, we have class candidates or class members, and those are our students. And we have facilitators, which are instructors. And we have workshops instead of actual classes, and that's what the terminology is. It all has to do with the IRS, unfortunately. I see. But, um, so you're still a 501c3, but you, yes, but your are. platform is training. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly I, I, correct. Okay. And, and that's really good to know because I, I'm, there could be people listening going, I wonder what he means by cohort. I mean, so I, I, appre I appreciate you allowing me to interrupt you about that because I think that oh, sure. that's, that's, that's very interesting. So you've got these candidates, or as you would call, students, and, and, the, and the training program lasts how long? <clears throat> well, the um, phase one is a year. Phase okay. two is three to six months, depending upon how long the mentor believes uh, he needs until he gets his business ready to go. So whatever business is paired with him, uh, he sticks with that one business for the time he believes that they need to get in front of investors. So that could be anywhere from two to three months to six months because I see. Like I said, some of these some of these businesses are already in existence. 
So they already have, you know, a pretty polished business plan available. They have pitch decks available, all those kinds of things. So it's just a matter of getting them fine-tuned to get in front of investors. The people that have startups don't have that. So they're probably going to take closer to six months to be ready to go. But, you know, we, we allow for that. I mean, we're here to help them to get to that point. Then hmm. phase three is the actual funding, okay? So we get them out in front of investors, and they pitch. And hopefully, because they have been pre- be, you know, they're prepared properly and we, you know, have done the screening process, so we're putting out fundable, what we believe are fundable businesses, CEOs, then they'll get funded and start their business. Well, that's uh, we great. Are proposing, we're proposing that's a phase four. We don't, we haven't, uh, this is still kind of in the works, but what we would like to do, once we get candidates out there, that have our CEOs and they're they're out there they're doing their business. Uh, we'd like to bring them back into kind of like a networking group, and we would have uh, hold a seminar once a month with these people and and update them on things that are going on at Poke and things that we know that are going on in the business business world, and then they can do a lot of networking and cross tell there while uh, they're part of that. Uh, weekend seminar thing. Sure. So we're we're proposing to do that. So it's kind of like the full meal deal. You know, you get mm-hmm. you can go all the way through, and you can go all the way through for free. So that's what, there's nothing that's, out there that's like this. Well, and let's not let's not gloss over that, because you clearly you all heard him say this. This is this is free. So this first phase. Where, where you're going to be meeting for um, a year. Their training program is once a week. Did I understand that correctly? For two hours? Yes, ma'am. So once a two week hours, for two hours. Okay. And each and, class or each workshop is one month. Okay. And is it scheduled at a time of day? If you're talking to people that are already career-minded, are your classes um, are you? I, I'm, a, I'm saying classes, but I, I do mean to say workshop because that is the term. That's fine. Are go they? Ahead. Yeah. Are ahead. they only on the weekend? So that allows these folks to continue to work during the week, and it's on the weekends that they have the workshops. No, ma'am. The workshops right now are scheduled every Thursday night from six to eight p.m. Oh, Pacific time. Wonderful. Yep. Oh, that's oh, and you know, and that is Pacific time. So you just made me think of something else. With the technology that we have today, are people allowed to be cohorts? Is this is this available to be delivered um, over the internet as opposed to show oh, yes. up, be present? So this is oh, an yes. online course. Is that correct? This is all virtual. Everything is all oh, virtual. It's all remote. God. So. We have people in the first cohort that are from Boston, Georgia. I think he's in Atlanta. We have a gentleman from Detroit, Michigan, uh, that are still with us. We've had mm-hmm. people from Colorado and Texas. You know, they are all part of the first cohort. So this is this is uh, not strictly, you know, a 
central or located, you know, centrally located operation. Wonderful. Anybody can join nationwide, Canada, Mexico, we don't care. Uh, As long as they want to learn, we will teach them. We have an emphasis on black and brown communities because that's the communities, those are the communities that are underserved with these kinds of opportunities. So we, we try to focus on them. But what we're doing now with our second cohort, which is going to start in February of 2022, is not only will we, we have the normal cohort that we had this year, we're adding two more. We're adding one that's called the Legacy Program. And this cohort will be made of uh, businesses black and brown businesses that have been around for at least 20 years, but they're sputtering along. You know, they got kicked in the teeth by the pandemic and other issues. So we want to be able to grow their businesses and let them be more successful. And the last cohort, which is the one that I want to be deeply involved with because it's near and dear to my heart, is the veterans cohort. We want to have 25 veteran businesses or startups doesn't matter if, you, if there's vets out there that want to start a business i want those guys and gals to come in <clears throat> and become part of the cohort the transition from military life to civilian life can be pretty tough on people and you get a lot of people that just for some reason can't make that transition uh, i would like to see those people come in and, with an idea and let me help them develop it and put them through the put them through the training program. The reason why I'm so high on veterans is because they have the work ethic, they have the desire, they have the determination, they have the discipline required to become a CEO. I mean, you talk about people that think out of the box. Go talk to somebody in the military. They have to be able to think out of the box because their mission requires them to do so. You never know what's going to happen. You know, if people are in combat, you, I mean, you can have a plan. And a perfect example, I was a war planner. I did that. I lived in a vault for 13 years. It was a bank vault with a big old bank door, you know, and we had, had to have uh, – two combination doors to get to the bank vault and then combination to get into the bank vault because that's where all the crypto and uh, all the classified stuff was kept. And I worked with that stuff for 13 years, and I was a war planner. I developed what are we going to do if a war breaks out in a certain area. And we had to plan for seven days to be able to run as a unit without any communication with anybody else. So we had to you know, have this script or this plan that we would implement. So I did that. And I also wrote the what's called Multi-Command Manual 3-1, Volume 14, which is a classified hmm. manual about the air defense of the continental United States from the years 1995 to 2000. So that was in effect for five years. And I was the author of that. And, you know, we had to, I got with the Army and the Navy, and we developed this manual together. It's a multi-command manual. And we talked about what happens when the United States get attacked. What are are the threats out there that we know? What are threats that could possibly plan all that out for five years? 
But when the balloon goes up and something happens, all those plans go out the window. And now you got to start yeah. thinking on your own. And these people know how to think out of the box. They do. They have wow. to, especially the ones that were getting shot at in Afghanistan and Iraq all the time. Sure. So I want these people mm-hmm. because, I mean, they, they are the perfect candidates to me to become a fundable chief executive officer of their own business. And I want oh, I think that in yeah. my program. Oh, I, I think that's ter- I think that's just incredible. You know, when you 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 I I heard you do I heard you say men and women. I've heard you say black and brown. Um, so, is there a geographic diversity amongst? You know, it sounds like the, because you're an online um, offering. It sounds like wherever you live is okay with you guys, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, we had uh, we have a, a cohort member that's in Boston. We have another one that's in Detroit. We have another one in, um, well, I guess we have, yeah, we have one in Chicago, too. I forgot about him. So, yes, it's all over. We don't care. It doesn't matter. That's great. And how, how do you, div- I think that's terrific. And how do you divide um, between men and women? Are you... Are you anywhere near even, or are you are you pretty much um, male dominated at this point? Oh no, we're female dominated. Really? <laughs> we got more girls than guys right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, we have, I, see that yeah, surprised me. I, I yeah, that, that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that. So these are women that were. Now these are we talking military or just not military at this point? Well, this is not military. We have actually yeah. one veteran in the first cohort. Uh, we had two, but one dropped uh, for personal reasons. But we had, and she was a lady in the Navy. Uh, we have a retired, or no, just a, he's a veteran. He is, I believe he was a Marine. Um, but anyway, we have one veteran right now, but we weren't searching for veterans at the time. It just turned out that he happened to be one. I um, see. We want to search for veterans this time around because we know this guy is, you know, blowing the course away. So we know he, sure. you know, that, those are the kinds of people we want. So I understand now just a little bit better as as you're explaining this. Cohort one was your first training seminars. Cohort, cohort yes, two is the next one. And in the cohort yes, two, there's going to – I love this, yes, men. You, I know I can't make you stop doing that, so I'm going to just say yes, sir, to you. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just – you know, I, it, it's your training. Of course I, I have it. it. What can I say? Uh, you know, I get that. Um, but in cohort two, that that's going to be what's going to be – I love it. You, you're literally – for those of you that will go to this website, which is really a cool website, there's a countdown <laughs> not only by the days, it's by the hours, it's by the minutes, so that people can truly sign up and get themselves in, in place to be part of the seminars in Cohort 2 that will start yes. um, in February. Am I right? Is it starting in February? Yes, ma'am. The first, okay. uh, well, the first class is February 3rd. Uh, the, okay. We'll have a orientation two weeks prior to that just to get all the admin stuff out of the way and let people know basically what's going on, what's going to happen. We'll have that two weeks prior, but the first class, February 3rd, 2022. 
And because it's online, is it online in that are people seeing this on Zoom or a conference call? How 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 are you delivering it? Zoom. You're Follow doing Zoom. a Zoom. So, yep. um, what would we? You know, Zoom is just not for cameras anymore. Um, so so there's no limit, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, no. you, you are, or, or I'm, I will let me just ask you: Is there a limit? Is there is there only a certain amount of people that you will take in cohort two? Yes, we have. We tried to. We're, we're going to start our interview process. Actually, uh, today is the first of November, so we're going to start reaching out now for the people that have applied already. Applications opened up the first of October. Mm-hmm. We have a month to go. We'd like people to sign up by the first of December, so that okay. we can take everybody through the interview process. We'll screen our candidates, and what we hope to have when we're all done is 25 businesses for the startup co- uh, cohort. We would like to have 25 veteran businesses for the veterans cohort, and we'd like to have 25 legacy businesses for the legacy cohort. So we're going to be running three uh, basic uh, cohorts within cohort two. So we call it all, all right. cohort two, but there'll actually be three classes or three, you know, three different cohorts. I want to I want to clarify something else here. So you're sure. looking to um, inspire and 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 bring in to people that may have a business idea but haven't put it into place and those that already have a business but want to have a more successful funding for that. So do I do I understand that part correctly? Yes, ma'am, you sure do. Okay, so it's possible that I'm this man or woman, I'm out of the military now, or maybe I'm in the reserves, I've always wanted to start my own insurance agency. I've always wanted to start my own travel business. I've always wanted to start my whatever, my nonprofit, mm-hmm. my whatever that mm-hmm. might be. But yep. I, I haven't really got it off the ground yet. So you want to talk to me, but you want to interview me to see if indeed I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to this cohort with, with what you're looking for. So that's one form yes. of the candidate. The other candidate says, you know what, darn, I, I've, been, I've been doing my insurance company now, my travel agency, gosh, we're, we're going into year two, but we're struggling, especially with the pandemic. People don't want to travel. They want refunds for everything. I don't really know what mm-hmm. to do. I could really use some help. I'm that kind of, I'm a candidate for you then too, aren't I? Yes, ma'am. You oh, sure are. boy. That's, that's basically start, what we're doing. I'm starting to get doing. it. We're Yay! Trying to help those it people. takes it. Yeah. That, so when you talk about there's a something there's there's something on your website called um, Master Practitioner Training Accelerator Program. When I hear accelerator, yep. I'm just telling you, I, I I'm here in a car with a foot on a pedal. I have a feeling that that's not what this means. So um, what do you what do you mean by um, your Master Practitioner Training Accelerator Program. What is that? Okay. Uh, basically, uh, year one, phase one is Master Practitioner Training. Okay, this is where you pick up all the skills 
necessary to become that that uh, fundable CEO. All right. Now, if you're selected for phase two, that's where the accelerator portion comes in. So now you have this background uh, that's basically we can't call it a master's degree because we're not an educational program. So we call yes, it a master practitioner's level training. Uh, and then you've got, so you've got this, that kind of training underneath your belt. And now the accelerator portion is phase two, where in the next two to six, two to three to six months, you're stepping on a gas and you're pushing your way up to becoming that fundable CEO because you're going to get in front of investors at the end of this thing at the end of the six months. So that's where the accelerator portion comes in. I see. Do you, I just, I, you know, I, I'm a connector. What can I say? Do you ever mm-hmm. have anybody that's part of the facilitating side of this be somebody that um, knows how to give a TED Talk? Yes, of course. Because basically, I, because if you are a really good TED Talker, then there's a good chance that you're probably really good at getting in front of somebody for hoping to be funded and to encourage the listeners to invest in you. So somebody that has that ability to speak well, I imagine that's some of the things that you teach, right, in your in your phase two. Yes, exactly. Okay. I mean, these are these are things that. Obviously, anybody that's going to get up in front of an angel investor, a bank, uh, just a foundation of some sort that uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, being a donor for different. There's a lot of opportunities out there right now for uh, black and brown and, well, minority-owned um, mm-hmm. businesses, which mm-hmm. ladies basically are part of, even though there's more ladies than the United States than men right now. <laughs> They're so minority. <laughs> and I try oh, to find it interesting, but that's okay. It's cool. I like it. Uh, I, it is and, cool. Uh, so I just, I, it, it gives those people an opportunity, you know, to get out there and get some of that grant money that's floating around right now, and there's a lot of it out there. The SBA has is given away money like it's going out of style. Uh, we're getting our cohort, current cohort, in tune with those opportunities. The SBDC, which is Small Business Development Center, uh, the SBA, of course, is Small Business Administration. Uh, there are those types of grants that are out there. There's uh, foundation grants that are out there. There's university grants. There's a lot of universities that are actually uh, assisting uh, minority-owned businesses and getting tr- trying to help them out. Uh, Stanford yeah. University's got a, a a very viable program that we hope to uh, cap. Uh, Howard University is another one. They they oh, that's get good. Uh, a lot of funding from the Kaufman Foundation. So uh, you know, we're, and Howard is maybe your listeners don't His, know, but Howard University is a yeah. Yeah, historically uh, black university. And so they have assisted their graduates going through their business and entrepreneurial programs to move on and hopefully establish themselves in the business world. So that's that's kind of where we're at, and that's what we're trying to do is, is get these opportunities in front of our cohort. 
and give them the opportunity to, to actually get out there and be a business owner. And there's a lot of money for vets out there too. So that's another reason why we want to get the veteran cohort spun up here and, and help these people out because what does that mean? They become a business owner. What do they do? They hire people. They'll hire other vets. They'll, they'll hire other, you know, black and brown community members, hire other women. That's what this is all about It's job creation and getting these people out to create jobs. And that's, uh, that's, that's the bottom line here. And, you know, it's interesting because right now you can, depending upon what industry you speak with, I, I have a nephew that um, runs a trucking distribution company in the Detroit area. They can't even mm-hmm. find people to work. Um, and, no. it, it, and, and you're seeing that in a lot of different industries. Um, the pandemic certainly has not helped in that manner. And I'm sure that that's been, you know, a, a, a very big challenge. The fact that you can offer this to people in the evening at the end of their workday, where not only are they on your Zoom call, but they're connecting. You know, did you say, I, you probably said it, and I'm just, I, I can't take all of this in, so... There's a total of 20. There's a lot, right? Um, so, so ultimately, if you are fortunate enough to be selected, it's going to be 25 people for the um, business veterans and 25 people for the legacy. Is, did I understand that correctly? Well, there's 25 businesses, not people, businesses. Oh. Now, these uh, businesses, maybe you okay. and your your sister are doing a travel agency. So you are one business. Okay. Okay. So you and your sister come to all the stuff and, and do everything that that's there because they're, you're part of the business. So that's what it is. It's 25 businesses. So if there's a, a, uh, like a veteran owned business that already has a team put together or they already have a, CEO candidate, uh, CMO, CFO, uh, CIO, uh, you know, information officer. Uh, if they already have a team like that put together, they're all four in. Uh, as so that business. counts as one, as what you're saying. It, that if counts you're as taking, one. I see. That's that's really that's a thank you for clarifying that for me because what you're looking at is to bring in businesses. But if you are that yes. person that doesn't have five people at your at your travel agency but you would like to start a travel agency but you don't have one yet do you count as one or do you already have to have the business in place to start with no 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 you okay. are, would be considered a startup you have your idea you want to start oh you're a, a startup agency. that's the term you're you're considered some are businesses that are already established you are the person that's the startup and that is that i i understand now it's that's just another terminology that i probably just didn't quite get so uh, Mm -hmm. i i have a i have a better understanding and and you know what's really good about having somebody frankly that doesn't that's not in your world is that we don't know how many people are listening that are not also in your world. I have a very good friend 
that worked for many years at Loyola Marymount University, which is walking distance to my home, and they had an executive MBA program. My son works for the Eller Business College of Management at the University of Arizona. He's a recruiter. So I have some background in those things um, Mm -hmm. from a a personal position. But I'm, I'm aware that it's, it's not easy to get started, and if you want to start that travel agency, oh. if you want to start that whatever that startup idea that you have, you know, it it takes money, and it can't all come from yes. mom. You know, it has to come from a viable source. And so your facilitators that are delivering this information, they are also volunteers. This This is a no-paid organization for everyone. Pretty much, yes, ma'am. We give wow. them uh, the the facilitators are offered a stipend, but a okay. lot of them will a lot of them will turn down the stipend and, and say, no, well, I'm donating the time this time around. When you get, you know, when you are a little bit more solvent, then we'll talk. But right now, they're all pretty much all donating their time. Yeah. Wow, but the facilitators are already. In the world, yeah. they're there. Oh yes, ma'am. They're all business wow. owners. They're all professors. They're all something. I mean, they've been around for a long time. These are people that you know, like our HR person. She uh, worked in the Denny's network for close to 25 years, and is uh, before she branched out her own. She has her own HR agency now. Uh, she does human resources by contract with people. And so she's got that kind of experience. You know, we have mm-hmm. a marketing person that owns her own marketing agency and does that. Uh, our public relations person, she owns her own business and been doing public relations for 30 plus years. And she's very well established in Beverly Hills area. I mean, we have very, wow. very high quality people that are facilitating for us. That's yeah, so cool, Tim. Yeah. That is yeah. that is so that is so great, especially when they recognize that somebody gave them a hand up. You know, somebody yeah. helped mentor them, and so they can say, you know what, I've got information that I can help these cohorts learn. That can help them also. It's kind of like and so on and so on and so on, isn't it? It's it's well, it's sometimes yeah. it's trickled up and sometimes it's trickled down, and um, I I like that about what you what you offer. I think that that's there couldn't be a better time. I can just tell you there are some things in what I do as a podcaster that I just don't want to be bothered with. I want to talk. I want to have a conversation. I want to connect people. I want to to learn. But I don't want to know what a plug-in is. A plug-in is something that makes your <laughs> room it. smell better. You know, yeah, I got why it. do I need to know what a plug-in is? Well, why? I sure as heck better know why because my whole website crashed about three weeks ago. Did you think I knew how to Uh-oh. fix that? Of course not. Yeah. Oh, my God, what happened? So you, where do you go? You go to your webmaster. Well, how could I do this mm-hmm. without a webmaster? He knows what a plug-in is. But I'm just saying that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're savvy enough to say, hey, 
What is this world looking for right now? You're a photographer. You want to be in the National Geographic, but you don't really know how to upload your photos properly. Well, you probably do if you want to be in National Geographic. But maybe you want to start a do- you want to start a nonprofit, which is what's near and dear to me personally. You want to start a nonprofit that teaches kids how to experience the art world, how to draw, how to write, how to sing, how to dance, and you want to design it for third through eighth graders. And you've got this burning idea how to do this. But my God, how do you get started? Where do you go? Oh, I can dance. I can sing. My wife can write. So you want to say, hey, I understand this Polk Institute is looking for 25 businesses, and I got an idea. So I would like to be interviewed for the possibility of being part of that. Did I get that right? Exactly. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly what it is. That is so cool. We're all about give back. All right, all of us are. That's why we're here. I mean, we're all volunteering our time. It's uh, it's all about, you know, giving back and helping these cohort members get their businesses off the ground. And so, you know, we obviously, we need some help as well, you know, through donors and those kinds of things. And, you know, we work that angle as best as we can. And we have a donation area on our website if anybody wants to donate to us. To, mm-hmm. And this is what we're about. I mean, we are about give back. We are about taking people that normally wouldn't have the opportunity to learn what's being offered. And there's a lot. I mean, when we talk about master practitioner training, you know, we're talking, you know, an MBA equivalent here. That's basically what it is. And Wow. Uh, that's that's where we're we're trying to take these people. We need people that are motivated and they're hungry to start that business. They're humble enough so that they can be coached. You know, people yes. with egos don't don't get along in our program because they think they already know it all. Well, why do they need to come to us for training then if they know it all? So we mm. we don't. That's part of the interview process. This is what we screen with that's what we have different things that we look at in the screening process we want people that are humble hungry and can be coachable those are the people we're looking for and you take a veteran who's got that built into him after being in the military from anywhere from four to six years to 22 years 30 years whatever and they want to get going or they've already got that business going but it's just sputtering along those are the people we want in the veterans cohort you know, those are the people that we want in the startup and and new business cohort. And then we have the people that are already out there for 20 years now or longer mm-hmm. and that need that extra bit of boost. They We want them in the legacy cohort. And this is all about networking as well. I mean, you with 24 other businesses, and we give you the opportunity to talk to each other. Yeah. Because you know, we'll put you into groups, and we'll use, you know, in Zoom, you can put people in the rooms. We'll, We'll divide the cohort up and put them into rooms and let them talk for 25, 30 minutes during that two-hour thing just about their business stuff. We'll pose a couple of questions. We'll bring them back and let them tell everybody else what they learned in their their breakout rooms. So there's a lot of cross-tell. There's a lot of back and forth with the instructors. 
facilitators. I mean, it's it's a it's a good opportunity if you want to start a business and you're willing to put in the time and the effort. It's this is this is the program for you. If you don't want to put in the time, if you're lackadaisical about, eh, well, I really don't want to do this, or I'm not really too sure, don't bother mm-hmm. to interview because we want people that are motivated, dedicated, coachable, ready to work. Motivated, dedicated, and ready to work. That's pretty cool. I would imagine that you have to really spend time in this interview process because I would imagine that there are many, many more than 25 businesses or individuals that would want to be part of this. Um, And it must be difficult, frankly, to turn people down that would really love to be there. Is it it's a is it a one year process? Is that what I understood? It's about an eighteen month process. Oh, eighteen months. So this is an eighteen. But we start process. a new cohort. Yeah, but we start a new cohort every year. <clears throat> All right. Oh, that okay. So, so every year you start a new cohort. Yes, I ma'am. see. So if you are not as fortunate um, to um, get into the twenty twenty two. Then don't don't give up. Keep doing what you're doing, and come back again in 20, the end of 2022 or thereabouts, and reapply for the 2023 um, program. Yes, ma'am. That's yeah. one way. We also what we will do is we will take candidates that are basically on the cusp. You know, like you know what you're talking about, and didn't quite mm-hmm. hack it to get into this one, but we we. We hold an alternate list. So oh. if we get someone that you know has been accepted but decides to drop out right away, we go to the alternate list and grab somebody and see if they're still interested and put them in. Lovely. So it's not like, yeah, it's, it's not like you're totally ignored. You're, you know, the door's slammed in your face. No, we will put you on the alternate list. You know, if wow. you if you make it. You know, we like you enough to put you on the alternate list, at least. You, you may get the opportunity right away to get right into the cohort. So, like I said, don't get discouraged. And would discouraged. you tell me that? That's one thing. It would, right. If, so if I wasn't selected, and I'm Susie Q, and I wasn't selected, you would notify me, Susie Q, I'm sorry. You know, at this moment, um, our, our cohort is full. However, you are on the alternate list and we will reach out to you if a position opens or a place opens. That's what you would let them do. You would, you would let them know. Exactly. That's oh, that's exactly great. what we would do. That's so great. I, I just think this is so wonderful. And it's interesting because you're in Nevada, right? Yes, and ma'am. Henderson. Gar- Henderson, right. Gary Polk of Polk Institute, He where is he located? Isn't he in is he in California? Carson, California. That's, That's what I thought. We're neighbors, practically. So you, you as an organization aren't sitting in the same conference room together either. Um, and oh, no. So, oh, no. Yes. So that, you know, that you, you're an example of how you make it work by your infrastructure to start with. You, you mentioned your, um, the woman that's, um, I, I can't remember what her position was, chief information officer or something, or HR. Um, is, is she 
where where is she physically located? Our director of HR is in in California. Our chief marketing officer is in Michigan. There you our, go. Our director of fundraising is in British Columbia, Canada. Wow. Um, yeah. So you know we get we have volunteer associates that uh, we have two that are in Africa. We have uh, one that's in the Philippines. We have a sprinkling on the West Coast, up and down the West Coast. We have a bunch on the East Coast. And, I mean, it, we've got people all over. And so I just, that's that, what we are. That's what we're about, you know. Well, that just, that just adds even more, not, not that you needed more credibility, but it just adds even more credibility to the fact that you're, the outreach is everywhere. And, and I just want to say this in closing, that, your three P's, just like I have three C's, conversation plus connection equals community, your three P's yes. are equally powerful. People, planet, profit. And I just want to, I want to congratulate you for, for what you've done, for your service, for what you and Gary have, have, have been involved in, and what you're doing particularly for the veterans, but you don't have to be a veteran. You 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 can yeah. also be a part of this organization as well. And I, I'm just so grateful that you've taken the time to really share this with our listeners. And I will certainly make sure that people have the links if they're interested in applying. It's it's right on your website. You make it very yes, simple. Ma'am. You you really do make it very simple for people to apply. And um, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for just spending this time with me today and sharing, which is yet another passion. You can hear it. You can feel it. You know, I think you probably had that same passion as a fighter pilot. I'm sure you had that same passion in the classroom, you know. And if you could be somewhere right now, you'd probably be flying somewhere, wouldn't you? Yes, ma'am. I sure would. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know that about you. Oh, my goodness. Well, everyone, I just... I, I, I hope you've enjoyed this show. I've certainly enjoyed having Tim join me. And um, just thank you once again for being such an outstanding guest as we come into this month of November, which allows us for us to all be grateful in many ways, whether what, whatever that might be. So thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the <sighs> opportunity. You're welcome. Bye now, everybody.